have a dream that all men are created equal. everyone and welcome back to your story. I'm your host Ian Kath. This is episode 52. Today's show is a little bit different in that it's about a different way of living life. In a way it's a little bit like my life at the moment. I've been living very lean for the past many months while I've been working on a new project which I've been keeping pretty close to my chest and it's now time to tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you about it in a lot more detail with a addendum episode that I'll put out in the next couple of days. It's Create Your Life Story. And it's at that URL, createyourlifestory.com, where I'm going to be sharing with people who are interested a way of producing, editing, and publishing audio life stories. There's an incredibly powerful tool in all this digital technology that we have nowadays to sit down with somebody and record their life story and then send it to family, friends, and the world using all of this amazing technology that we have. That's all relatively easy to access and use. So that's what this new site's about and hopefully the new site will be a bit of a spin-off from your story and it'll complement it quite well. So if you're interested or if you know anyone who's interested in oral history or life stories or just want to have a bit of a poke around, come over to Create Your Life Story and have a bit of a look at what we've done. It's been a lot of fun putting it together and there's a lot of work still to be done. There's a lot more content to create. I've already got three podcast episodes up and a few blog posts, but there's a lot of work yet to be done. And there's a free ebook there if you're interested too. You can just sign up and grab that, which will give you a bit of an overview of what the site is about. And that site was createyourlifestory.com, but our site is yourstorypodcast.com, where you can leave a comment at the end of this post, or you can send me an email at chat at create... <laughs> There we go. It's going to happen a few times because the URLs are so similar. The email here is chat at yourstorypodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you or over at the Facebook fan page. Thanks for being part of the community, everybody. Now, anyway, onto the show. Occasionally when I'm out and about, I'll bump into people and they'll ask me what I do. And I like to tell them I'm a podcaster and I've got this show called Your Story because I think that everybody has an interesting story in them somewhere and you just have to sit down with them long enough and explore their lives to understand what it is. And this fellow said to me, wow, that's a really cool idea. You know, there's this guy that I've seen over at the Queensland University of Technology who is there with his motorbike and a trailer and a dog, and he seems to be living there. And I'd really be interested to know his story. As a matter of fact, I said to him, I know the fellow you're talking about. I've been meaning to get hold of him for some time. So a few days ago, I happened to be running through that part of Brisbane, and there he was. So I... I saddled up beside him and I said g'day I'm Ian and he introduced himself and so I asked him would you be interested in coming on the show and he said sure so I sat down with him and I had a bit of a chat with him here's Ian's story Twenty third of May, two thousand and ten, sitting in the botanical gardens in Brisbane. Welcome back, everybody, to your story. Hello, Ian. Good evening. 
It's morning. morning. <laughs> it is still morning. Hey, Ian. Now, the reason I've invited you on the show is I've been um, often walking through this part of Brisbane and I noticed you turned up several months ago with your motorbike and your trailer and I thought, oh, that's an interesting looking rig and then I noticed that that trailer and bike stayed there. The motorbike and trailer was more than just that. It was an actual camp. So I thought, oh, there's a story here. So what's your story, mate? It's been made into a home away from home, but it's the home that I don't have when I'm away because I don't have a house. You don't have a home? No. Okay. I don't want one. So what's the motorbike? It's a Goldwing, a Honda Goldwing? It is. It's a 2008 model. It's the third Honda Goldwing I've had in six years because I just traded up the other models to uh, later versions with slightly different uh, accessories that were more useful for what I wanted to put the bike to use for. So it's very much a big cruising bike, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've turned it into a, a mobile house because you can drive along anywhere, you can go anywhere, and then wherever you park, that becomes your house. And so I adapted it to being able to sleep in the hollow sections because it's got a high-rise back seat with a... A, a, a backrest, a very high backrest for the motorbike. So the, the back passenger has quite a comfortable position that way. So that can allow you to be contained within a, a, a um, like a hammock style uh, lazy boy effect uh, without the hammock. So, so you're saying you sleep on the motorbike? Oh yeah, yeah. It's got a different level between the front seat and the back seat. So I build that up with uh, some uh, old uh, blankets and some towels, pack it up. Before I, I uh, just would lay on it and then I'd have the bike cover. The bike cover would go all the way over the top. Oh, and that goes over the motorbike, does it? Yeah, it fits in that hollow. Right. So I still make up the little uh, blankets and towel section and, and build the level up. And then this way, I, I can then actually strap the little tent to the front mirrors, strap the rear sections to the, the rear rack, so you're contained within um, a small area, and, and you're not re- you're, you won't then slip off the edge of the bike, you're re- restrained, you're constrained from falling off yeah, because right. of the internal circumference of the uh, tent bed. Why have you chosen this lifestyle? Two reasons. It's financial, but the other one is that I've lived in many places, probably about 10 or different places in six years coming up to Brisbane from Melbourne. And even in Melbourne, uh, I'd, I'd lived uh, a bit of share accommodation, that sort of stuff. And so there's always gets to a point somewhere that, well, they want to, the original people would want to alter the contract. Said, oh, well, what was never, ever envisaged at the beginning of the contract they then now want to change it got really tiresome about you know packing up unloading going to another place finding another place travel 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 where it just came to me that maybe I could start using the bike as a bit of a shelter effect so why, why not have a house of your own oh because well or a flat or a unit or that, something. That it? becomes to the financial side of it. Oh, okay. You've got to keep chasing a job. And I don't mind. Get a job so you can, can get money and do things with the money that you uh, properly earn. And what do you do for work? Uh, as an electrician, a, a, a licensed contractor in uh, Queensland, which I was a contractor in uh, Victoria as well. So okay. overall I've so been... So sparky. 
contracting for 22 years, been in the electrical trade for so you'd have no trouble. Years. You'd have no trouble getting work. Oh yeah, but there's always uh, there's a personality factor in life as well. I just like to be very very flexible, very infinitely variable, but very very independent to say, no. Um, when you're away, when you're just by yourself, you, you can have all these moments of quiet contemplation and, and rationalise your philosophy this way or that way and say, oh, I would do this this way or that way, whatever, or just hold a particular value system that you've uh, accepted in your internal reasonings. And then you just say, well, I just express myself the way my mind says I should be entitled to by simple freedom of expression. And responsibly so that you're not uh, being vulgar, you're not being overbearing, you're not really pushing some particular only one point of view situation is that it's interesting to find out obviously uh, very few people are going to agree with you and that's the nature of uh, being human is that everybody's going to hold a different opinion. The sort of work you do, do you like having a regular job or do you prefer the freedom of being able to choose what you're doing on a day-by-day basis? Uh, I've I found that it's actually the freedom is that especially in modern business day terms is that you need to do things during the day because that's when businesses are open. When you work yourself eight hours, that takes up all your opportunity to go and pay the bill here, look something up here, go there and say, crikey, is it half past five? You can't do any of those things. If you do your eight hours plus a little bit of overtime, you've shot yourself in the foot. You've taken all the opportunity for yourself to go out and do these things so that uh, working as an independent subcontractor sometimes, you can say, well, I can give you four hours here and then I need to take some time. I might come back or I'll give you the remaining week at uh, eight hours. So is that important for you to be able to have that flexibility? Oh, yes. Oh, I really enjoy that because it breaks up the monotony of um, all the time on pace, on pace, on pace, on pace. But there's a price to be paid for that too. Oh, of course. And the price by the looks of it is that you live with your motorbike and trailer. Uh, to a degree, because that that resolves to the, the financial bottom line is that you can't keep rolling in the thousands of dollars per week. So what's, what's, your, what's the priority for you then? Is it the work, is it the money, or is it the lifestyle? It, it's a bit of a mix. I, I don't have a one top foremost goal, and it's really, each day it's reset. At the end of the day, the day's gone. Uh, and whatever activities you might want to do, uh, book reading, whatever. At the moment, I'm doing university stuff, so, so I have what, to... Yeah, and talk about that. What, what are you doing at university? I decided after 36 years that I'm going very flat uh, in my career. So I wanted to uh, travel a higher plane and seek to get that next level in my vocation of uh, being in the electrical industry to rise up to a level of, a, of an engineer. So you work, and, you're working to be an a, uh, electrical engineer, eh? Oh, yes, yes. But, but mainly as well, that would be because I also definitely want to maintain my electrical contractor status so that I'll be dual multi-skilled mm. but at professional and trade level mm. on the tools that uh, I like to be able to start and complete jobs and then be able to switch things on and say, oh, fantastic, it works. You're not a young fella. 
what's it like going back to university or going to university at your age? Yeah. How, how have you found that transition? Uh, I was quite uh, intrepidatious about it initially because my, my mathematical skills weren't fantastic and I knew that would be my claw that um, it would hang me up somewhere and um, I wouldn't be able to smoothly climb those um, mental mountains. And it has been a really big downfall. I found out if you can't grab it in five seconds, you're really bad and slow and behind, be on pace with it. So, Do you think there's a difference in age? You know, do you think the younger oh, yeah. people who are 20 uh, can uh, pick the stuff up oh, easier yeah. than somebody at your age? They've generally come straight from the uh, HSE stuff, and they're, they're in the groove already. They've got their graphs uh, calculators. I, I hadn't had a calculator for over 20 years. I had to learn how to reuse a graphic calculator. How long have you been going to uni now? Only three semesters. Three semesters. Yeah. And you've been living this lifestyle for those three all, semesters? All of those three semesters. And yep. are you going to continue to live this lifestyle for the oh, duration? I will. I've actually I've grown to like it. I've grown to just simply adapt to it. It's, it's that it's actually been a most really enjoyable process as a bit of a social experiment. Because like you, you've just come up, you've seen this thing, oh, and you've the person's come back and they've gone, hey, on there, staying there a bit longer than this sort of stuff. They're here two or three days, whatever. So there's something to it. So I meet many, many people. There's a husband and wife. Um, she was pregnant. They would walk in the mornings. They have the, the little baby girl there. They have a little pram. They'd w let the, the, the baby to walk down the street as well. And you meet all these people that if I was in the lounge room in, in a house or a flat somewhere... I simply wouldn't meet these people. Yeah. I meet hundreds of people this way. It is just mm. fantastic that way. And Oscar's your dog. Yeah. What, what sort of dog is he? He's a bit of a Heinz 57 variety. Um, he doesn't care which one he is, <laughs> but he likes being who he is. Uh, he looks like a little um, Aussie terrier or fox a, terrier or something. A wide-haired like. terrier. He was, uh, we just uh, casually made acquaintance on the street one day when I was living in country Victoria. Washed my, I was washing my ute down the driveway near the gutter. Then I just happened to look up. He was across the road. He happened to look at me, looking at him. He had no collar, no identification. So he must have been homeless for a while, eh? Oh, yeah. And you could see he was a street dog. You're saying, yeah, well, I just roam around the street and I'm happy just roaming around. So he had no real aim to be anywhere. Sounds a bit like your lifestyle too, doesn't to it? To a degree, yeah. So we've become kindred spirits <laughs> like that. He's been with me for on just on the 10 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Bit of an old dog now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I noticed that um, that Oscar always lives under the bike. He's, he's part of the bike, part of the camp, yeah. isn't he? Some people with obviously genuine concern, they've actually made complaints to RSPCA and the council and even the police. And they know that I live there. They've come down in the past. They, uh, I've, I've, I grew up with dogs. My mother was a, a dog breeder. Do some people feel that he's being neglected? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially in the really, really hot weather. I do, I would leave the bottle of water. So sometimes you can see the bottle of water has, has shrunk because people have just poured it into his bowl. 
because it, the water gets evaporated apart from him drinking some. Yes, yes. And other people, they just come by, they leave their own bottle of water. They, oh, I fill this up when he's ready, you know. Isn't that nice? <laughs> and some, there's obviously some other female, they'd actually taken off their little coat, put it on the ground, the concrete, underneath the trailer, so the dog could sit on the little jacket. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, I, I still have the jacket. Do you have any issues with um, staying there, with uh, with uh, QUT, with the campus, oh, no, or, or with police, or no. with the council? Not with QUT, because uh, I'm actually parking on a public road. Right. So it's off the QUT property. But couldn't that be an issue then for the fact that you're camping on a public road? No, well, no, it hasn't been. Uh, like certainly, the police? Uh, it, I, certainly, know, I know it's a very quiet back road. Be, well, sort of, but the police regularly patrol it. They have to come through and uh, check out the river gate, the river stage uh, venue. Uh, the, uh, the Botanical Gardens is well known for sort of a uh, bit of skullduggery sometimes. They're, they're constantly coming up here, racing their cars up, lights up, and sometimes sirens, and they're trying to track down people that have uh, had some misdemeanor go on inside the park. That's before I had this tent thing. Sometimes I'd sleep out in the open because it's just fantastic to sleep al fresco, just exposed to the night sky. I didn't have a tent, so I didn't have any, I didn't want to put the cover on, so. I would just uh, lay there by myself. So what, just lying on top of the bike yeah. without the cover over you? Yeah. Yep. So it was pretty obvious that my phone would be in the cradle. I then heard this voice. They said this. I, oh, hang on. Mobile phone? I'm pretty sure they could only be talking about my mobile phone. And I had this sort of bit of a towel over my head, but just enough so that I could, if I opened my eyes, I still have a, a little window on the world that way. And it, I've opened my eyes... And then it was, my view was obscured. It was this arm coming across my head where the mobile phone was. And I just picked up my mobile phone. So I made sure that they had it clear in their hand. And then I sprang to life. I said, give me back my mobile phone. And that's frightened the living daylights out of them. I've jumped off the motorbike. And so the guy just got this huge fright. He's like this. He's, um, he's held hold- the hand, held the ca- the phone in his hand, and um, he's gone, oh, he threw it back at me. I wasn't expecting it. It bounced off my chest and went to ground. And I thought, oh, right, I'll see if I can do a citizen's arrest here. So I said, right, I'm going to get you. So he, he chuffed off. I simply couldn't catch or make any gain on him within four or 500 metres. I'm plodding along on the Bitchman bike track. <laughs> anyway, he got away. Oh, yeah, he did. I said, you can't run forever. So it sounds like you're pretty happy with the lifestyle. I am, because really, um, I have, in a sense, I can um, I can control how much time I actually interact with the rest of society. Society's always there. Do you want to engage or disengage? How do you do the practical things? Like you've got a stove and a camp and a fridge and all that yeah. sort of stuff, and you've got solar panels on your trailer yeah. to you know give yourself a little bit of power. Yeah. What about things like showering and toileting? And do you use the public toilets here in the park? Oh, in the mornings I do now because one of the buildings for the QUT has been closed down. Showers they have in some of the rooms in some of the buildings they have um, showers so for, yes. for staff and students because some of the staff and students come through with uh, their push bikes. Mm. 
So you use the facilities within the university you go to? As well, yeah. I do have a, a friend that will help out sometimes. This lifestyle of yours is quite unique. I've never heard of anybody going to university while living in a camp on a motorbike in a trailer. And being over 50. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like you're incredibly content with it. I am. Like I said, there's this minimalist type thing going on that says, look, I'm happy to have what sort of minimum contact I have with the rest of the world, and in between not contact, not coming into uh, engagement with people, is that the other times I I would be using the radio on the Goldwing, either doing the uh, uh, stereo with classic or um, the talkback radio on the AM, and that that's my link to the world, that I'm happy for any short periods of time that I, I will um, engage with uh, listening to the world. So it actually, it keeps me up to date. I say I'm not odd, I'm oddly normal, <laughs> in a very roundabout way. <laughs> well, for an oddly normal person, Ian, you're incredibly happy, and I think there are a lot of people out there who wouldn't be a pinch of happiness compared to you. And despite the fact that you've got what I call a very unusual lifestyle, that's what this show's all about. It's all about exploring other people's lives. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank and you. Tell me for, your story. Yes, thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. See you around, Ian. Bye bye.